0: Scene 3. Genesis. Shade Gap, five miles northwest of Tuscarora Mountain. Spy Woden's Day, terse. Morning, 5th of April, 1284. A muscular, five-and-a-half-foot-tall, green-skinned goblin with a stone-tipped spear charges at Sir Robert Roger from behind. Brother Umbert pulls a magic wand from up his sleeve. Alakazam! He shouts his magic word out, loud enough to give away their exact location to every goblin within a hundred yards. Suddenly, the charging goblin loses his spear. In fact, it magically disappears into thin air. The baffled and unarmed goblin keeps running and crashes awkwardly into Sir Robert Roger without doing any real harm. Sprawled in the dirt, they grapple for only a few seconds before the goblin's vastly superior physical strength overpowers the ranger captain. The goblin hoists him over his head, spins him around, and tosses him into a group of nearby rangers aiming their arrows at him. In a trice, the goblin dashes back into the forest. The rest of the rangers, already on high alert, shoot their arrows and fling their hatchets, but the goblins prove elusive foes. Barrel-chested, big-fisted, and massively muscular, the goblins have no armor and fight with fire-hardened wood or chipped stone weapons. They compensate for the lack of metalworking in their warcraft with higher degrees of cunning in battle. Although goblins only tend to reach somewhere between five and five and a half feet tall for adult males, and about four and a half to five feet tall for adult females, both goblins and goblinesses are much stronger than the tallest and heaviest humans. By age 12, a healthy goblin whelp could arm wrestle two muscle bound humans at the same time and easily win. In caves deprived of the light of day, their skin turns a pale-gray hue, but when continuously exposed to the sun, their skin tans to a dark green. This adaptation acts as a natural camouflage and helps them blend easily into forests and grasslands. Their most astounding adaptation to the wild is their regenerative capabilities. Healing broken bones and recovering from serious infections in half the time as other races, Their foreheads are narrow and slope back steeply with thick, bushy brows, long chins, and wide cheekbones. All goblins have a pronounced overbite, which distinguishes them from trolls whose jaws carry a tusked underbite. After the initial goblin attack, Inquisitor Sheen remains in prayer, but Brother Crow has drawn two long knives, and Brother Indigo holds in his left and only hand the large, knotty club that has been dangling from his rope belt all the while. Brother Umbert skulks around the underbrush with his magic wand, pointing it outward like a viper, ready to strike. After taking a nasty tumble, Sir Robert Rogers sets himself back on his feet and readies himself for action, shouting out orders to the rangers— Form a perimeter. Then he turns to Brother Umbert and states, I owe you thanks for saving my life with that little magic trick, but now you've got to tell the Inquisitor and your holy buddies to huddle behind those rocks inside our defensive circle. We can't risk your lives in combat. Brother Umbert does not retreat. The Inquisitor is praying. God will keep him safe. Sir Robert Roger yells, Get the Inquisitor behind those rocks or I'll carry him there myself. The standoff ends when a skull-sized boulder flies into the ranger camp. Poorly aimed, it does not hit anyone. Sir John Stark, the first lieutenant for the rangers, shouts, Keep your eyes open and shoot at anything that moves! When the next boulder arrives, Sir Ethan Allen calls out, I saw a goblin toss it about fifty yards to the northeast, but he ducked behind a tree before I had a chance to shoot at him. Incoming! Sir Daniel Boone screams in a terrified, then suddenly hushed voice. From the opposite direction of the flying boulders, goblin lurkers rush in at the rangers. The boulders were just a distraction, and the goblins are wickedly fast on their feet. The first ambushing goblin swings a gnarly oaken club at Sir Richard, the ranger posted in the rear. The blow puts the dazed ranger out of the fight, and three goblins charge directly into the gap. They quickly reach the middle of the ranger's defensive circle and start swiping at the other rangers from behind. The rangers, a few paces back, shoot their arrows at the ambushing goblins. Although the rangers' arrows bite against their flesh, the goblins have an amazing instinct for spinning just before being struck with the rangers' well-aimed arrows. Their spinning motion takes all the penetration out of the arrowheads. Despite getting all slashed up by the sharp arrowheads from the rangers' longbows, the goblins press their attack. Dame Francis Marion pulls out a long knife, but a fat goblin with a scrimshaw ox-bone club knocks the knife aside, numbing her hand. Another shorter goblin dashes at her from her blind spot and tries to clobber her with a backhand swing from his heavy ashen spear shaft, but her sixth sense tells her to dive out of the way in the nick of time. She retreats. Seeing that the tactical situation is lost, Sir Robert Roger blows his horn to withdraw to the river. With all the rangers' attention on the goblins in their midst, they fail to notice the goblins emerging from the bushes, trees, and ditches, lobbing smooth stones at the distracted rangers. Several rangers get hit from behind and fall to the ground, stunned. Sir Robert Roger picks up his hatchet and tries to rescue the situation with a daring counter-charge, but a short goblin trips him with a whack of his spear behind the knees, and the fight is back to square one. Looking around, Sir Robert Roger notices his rangers are badly bruised, but none have received mortal wounds so far. Hoping to keep the bloodshed to a minimum, he shouts, Don't go for the kill! They are trying to spook us! Keep moving back toward the river and stay alert! Meanwhile, Inquisitor Sheen continues praying. Brother Indigo smacks down a goblin with his huge, gnarly club before the goblin can get to the Inquisitor. The Mohawk brother then twirls his club around to deflect a stone axe from a different goblin on his right. Brother Umbert makes the stone axe disappear with his magic wand, and Brother Crow slashes at that same goblin just above the eyebrows. A few heartbeats later, the blood trickles down into his eyes copiously, and the blinded, unarmed goblin stumbles off into the forest. They do not pursue, because Inquisitor Sheen has ordered them to avoid loss of life at all times. Although the three monks are holding their own fairly well, the groaning and stunned rangers lose ground. Three larger goblins, decked out with tattoos, body piercings, and war trophies to signal that they are chieftains, walk into the combat zone. The first looks older, mostly bald, with a salt-and-pepper goatee. Dry, dark green, weathered skin wraps tightly around his bulging muscles. His perfect six-pack abs And the veins crawling all over his arms, neck, and legs bespeak a goblin driven by a lifelong obsession for destruction. To his left walks a tall but less muscular goblin. This one has all the tattoos and body piercings of the other two, but far fewer war trophies hang about his neck or on his belt. Unusual for a goblin, he has a full head of hair. Long and black, his braids dangle down past his shoulders. His fine nose, narrow forehead, and sharp chin give him a ladylike charm. On the right side of the elder chieftain marches a hulking goblin, just over six feet tall, with a loose-hanging gut and arms so thick he could take down a bull with one hand. His neck is stooped and his back hunches over slightly. The flapping jowls on his cheeks and his pig-like nostrils are both ugly and intimidating. Brave New World Apparently, the hulking goblin is looking for a challenge and points to Brother Indigo, saying, Boom shakalaka, do wa diddy diddy dum diddy do." Inquisitor Sheen calls out in response, Goggle! Owl! Yahoo! Twitter! Whoop! Sir Robert Roger grimaces and moans, Seriously? What is he doing? Calling the birds to help us? Brother Umbert responds, He has the mystical gift of tongues. He's speaking gobbledygook, the language of the Magog goblins. The salt and pepper-haired old war chief grunts in surprise, then says, "Wiki, YouTube, Amazon, PayPal." Inquisitor Shane replies, "Instagram, Reddit, Blogs, LinkedIn, Netflix." The pretty boy chieftain asserts himself as a negotiator, Bing, Taubo, Sohu, Yip, Baidu, AliExpress. The older goblin chieftain nods, eBay. The inquisitor tells Sir Robert Roger. The mighty Gog, exalted king over all the goblins in the forest of Magog, has agreed in his benevolence to spare you your lives if you put your weapons down and allow them to bind you. How do we know he won't just kill us? The exalted goblin king says he will allow his son, Scar, to be your personal hostage, Sir Robert Roger, until all your followers are safely returned to you. If he's so benevolent, why doesn't he just let us go now? We're not trying to pick a fight with anybody. It seems we have trespassed on their sacred territory. They need to perform a ritual with our blood to cleanse the pollution we have brought. If we give our blood willingly, it only needs to be one drop. If they have to take it from us unwillingly, then they have to pour out all of it. Okay, priest, I'm taking your word for it. Tell him to send us his son first as a ransom, and then we will atone for our trespasses. Inquisitor Sheen tells the Goblin King they are willing to give up their freedom for the promise of safety. Bush, Klinen, Bush, Obama, Drump. The Goblin King gives the command to bind them up. Alexa! The Goblins tie up the Rangers and Inquisitors, then lead them to the top of the northernmost mountain, overlooking the Shade Gap. The site looks like a pile of randomly scattered stones, but as Inquisitor Sheen's trained eye surveys the patterns, the ritualistic arrangement of the stones pops out at him, like a 3D message suddenly becoming visible in the swirling patterns of an optical illusion design. For all its naturalistic calm and peacefulness, this area is actually an outdoor temple for ritual murder. Several curved boulders mark off this mountaintop clearing and form a circle of arches around the main altar. The altar itself is just a huge stone slab that has been tossed on top of the central pile of stones. Its surface is uneven and slightly tilted, but from the layers of dark stains it seems to be used often. Blood and restless spirits abound here. A pang of doubt pinches the Inquisitor's soul. An unsettling feeling that the Goblin King may have lied about sparing their lives tightens his throat. Their goblin captors arrange them in a semicircle with their right hands on their chests. From the other corner, some goblins carry a wicker basket cage into the semicircle. It holds a teenage boy dressed as a monk with a strange hempen halter around his neck. Sir Robert Roger presses his knife tightly against the throat of his hostage, the Goblin King's son. Tell him no sudden moves. We want the monk boy to go free as well. Inquisitor Sheen gets worried and asks the goblin king, Gobble, makdu, arby, panda, Subway, duncan, Pitsadahat? The goblin chief laughs with a deep growl and says, Chickaboom, nuneg, solo, manga, wookie, banta, Pudu." The inquisitor translates. The mighty gog says that you were lucky to escape with your lives But the monk boy will be a human sacrifice to their god, Pudu.